there are quite a few changes um, that come with these new bills. I guess we yeah. just kind of run them down. Well, I would suggest you just do some highlights, some things that yeah. you like, because this is a lot. So yeah. and, and honestly, jumps for, out at you. <laughs> yeah. For, definitely for iOS 15 and iPad OS 15, those are probably the two biggest um, releases that most people are you know, concerned about. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Hey, this is Nika Monfort, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And you're listening and or watching the Snob West Show, the show for Apple snobs where we talk all things Apple and then some. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Snob West Show. We want to thank all of you for joining us again this week. Um, we just concluded our live show, which is a benefit for being a Patreon supporter. If you too want to get in on the live show content as well as several other features and um, perks, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash snobblewestcast. Um, all right. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into this week's show. Let's start with the lowdown where we talk all things Apple. First thing up, surprise, surprise. Apple has been granted a delay um, in complying with the App Store changes that was required by the Epic ruling. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago that Apple had until December 9th, which is tomorrow. If you're listening to the show on Friday, that will be the um that'll be the day before. So um they got this just in under the wire. Um this happened um the delay was granted today, which is December 8th when we're recording the show one day before they had to enact um, these changes required by the ruling in the in the lawsuit between Apple and Epic. So what does this mean? This means that the appeal that has been granted to Apple means they no longer have to require, they are no longer required to comply with the app rule changes, which means they were to allow um, third parties access to be able to receive payments not directly through the app store. So this means that they do not have to comply with those changes by the deadline of December 9th, and the delay will remain in place until the um, appeal is settled. So in the meantime, app, the app store will continue to work as normal. So we know appeals can take a long time. We don't know what the time frame is or when it's going to be on the docket. We're wrapping up the year, so I'm assuming courts are starting to kind of clear out their dockets for the year and pick up things starting in 2022. Um, but one thing that I did that I did note from the article is um, the delay doesn't impact another part of the ruling by the previous judge, which allows app developers, app developers to communicate with users about alternate payment solutions outside of the application. So meaning if you're in the app store, you can still have those conversations and communicate with the users that you have in the app store about alternate payments that are outside of the application. So those communications can still happen. The thing is, Apple isn't required to provide that within the app that is physically on your phone. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge win, win for Apple at this point. 
Yeah, it was a huge win. Uh, kind of uh, slimy, if you ask me, because they waited until the last minute to try to get this appeal. Um, and it was granted a day before the actual dates when they would have to enact some of these changes, which leads me to believe that Apple probably even wasn't ready to uh, run these changes, which is kind of unfair to Epic because I think the judge knew that or or sided with Apple that the date was too soon and decided to uh, grant them their appeal. Again, like you mentioned, who knows how long appeals last? And also, I think Apple knew that. So basically, they're just trying to drag this thing out as long as possible. And I don't know about you, but um, when I was taking the college courses, the date was the date, <laughs> you know, whether you had to stay up all night or you did it early, you know, the date was the date. Every once in a while, you got a, a teacher who was uh, able to give you some wiggle room, but the date was the date. So yeah. it is kind of Apple kind of flexing their muscles yeah. uh, that allowed them to, one, wait until the last minute and to, to uh, request his appeal and actually get it granted. And two, you know, they I didn't see any dates about when, you know, an extended date. Uh, right. when, when they say a date is coming and you say, oh, please, 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 they say, all right, I give you another week or all right, I give you another month or I give you until this date. They didn't mention any of that stuff. So, again, again, that's to Apple's advantage. They could drag this out as long as possible, which, again, you know, is ne uh, uh, a negative to Epic because mm -hmm. now they still got to wait around and so on and so forth. So clearly Apple's flexing their muscle. You know, kind of kind of slimy, but I mean, a big company is a big company and they're going to use every advantage possible because if the they roles were reversed, expensive lawyers. right. And because if the roles were reversed, I guarantee you Epic would be doing the same thing. So it's almost yeah. like, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> you had to expect this. And so what um, came down in the ruling today, it said, quote, Apple has demonstrated at minimum that it is that its appeal raises serious questions on the merits of the district court's determination that Epic Games Inc. failed to show Apple's conduct violated any antitrust laws, but did show that the same con conduct violated California's unfair competition law. So basically saying that they gave us the bare minimum needed to make this appeal valid and that's why we went with it because legally we had to and they literally provided the bare minimum to satisfy the requirements for us to be able to take up this cause and render this decision so again it's definitely to the benefit of apple and i'm sure their lawyers are already figuring out ways to try and you know keep pushing it back until they're eventually hoping that maybe epic gives up which i seriously doubt because now their ego is in the game, but um, it does make it uh, a little bit better for, for Apple. All right. All right. Um, the next thing up. So today was a big day in iOS 15.2. Apple has seeded their first release candidate beta for iOS 15.2, iPad OS 15.2, TV OS 15.2, Watch OS. 8.3 and also Monterey 12.1. So this release candidate is pr 
pretty much kind of like the gold build, um, pretty much saying we think we pretty much have everything wrapped up. We're ready to deliver. Now we're going to hand it over to developers. And um, uh, it was updated in some of the stories I was reading that now it's gone out to the beta testers as well. So it's now in the hands of developers to put it through its paces to see if their applications work on the new OS. There are any issues that need to be worked out. If any beta testers, if they find anything, you know, overwhelmingly that needs to be addressed before it is released to the public. So I think we're one step closer to um, to the final release of this version to the public. Now, they uh, will include this in the release notes. There are quite a few changes um, that come with these new builds. I guess we yeah. just kind of run them down. Well, I would suggest quickly. you just do some highlights, some things that yeah. you like, because this is a lot. So yeah, and and honestly, jumps for, out at you. <laughs> yeah, for definitely for iOS 15 and iPad OS 15, those are probably the two biggest um, releases that most people are you know concerned about. TVOS was pretty small, um, and uh, Monterey um, was pretty small. So we can do the quick ones first. For TVOS 15.2, it's pretty much SharePlay support. And in the release notes, they didn't really say anything else other than SharePlay uh, support. So um, basically, it's probably just some small, minor changes, nothing probably feature focused, probably just a lot of under the hood type of, of fixes that really do, you know, do too much. For Monterey 12.1, the two biggest things is universal control seems to now finally be coming um, to um, the OS. And if you remember, this universal control was announced back in September, I believe. Um, and this will allow you to have a single keyboard to control both your Mac and your iPad. If you remember on the demonstration, you were able to see they had the iPad set up and I think it was an iMac at the time, how they were able to control both of those screens with one single keyboard. Um, and that was pretty slick, um, the way you're able to just use, have one basically input source, and then it outputs the two different things, you know, interchangeably. The other thing is SharePlay is apparently coming to Monterey 12.1. And again, we've talked about SharePlay before, which allows users to share music, movies, TVs, all during one FaceTime call. And we know that we can have multiple people on FaceTime calls. And we know that now FaceTime is not just limited to Apple users. You can send a link and um, you can kind of pull in Android and uh, users as well. So those are the kind of the highlights for those two. Anything kind of stick out to you? Well, just a note, uh, it, just a note, even though you can do FaceTime with Android users and uh, Microsoft users, you probably won't be able to do the share play with anybody but uh, iPhone users, mm -hmm. right? Or Apple users, right? So you can do the share play where you can share music and movies and whatever. But those other people probably have to have an iPhone or a Mac or an iPad when just regular FaceTime, just doing the group group voice and chat and video chat. You can do that with Android and Windows. So that was the only little thing I wanted to make mention. Definitely cool to point that out. Um, all right. So uh, I guess we can do watchOS uh, 8.3. Um, looking through the list, is there anything for you that kind of jumps out that you are super excited about? 
not super excited, but the music voice plan. So uh, Apple announced the music voice plan that'll enable you to run through or have access to Apple's music library using just your voice. Now, originally, that's the best for HomePod, but also for your Apple Watch if you have cellular and you have cellular service. That way you can use your phone, use your AirPods or, you know, ear, whatever, whatever headphones you're using on the watch. Just say, hey, Siri, play whatever album, whatever track. And mm-hmm. you can do that independently or just on your watch and on your headphones. Um, other than that, uh, that's pretty much it that I can think of for Apple Watch that jumps out at me. Uh, again, Apple Watch is a small device, so mm-hmm. they keep adding stuff, keep adding stuff, keep adding stuff, uh, which may, uh, in my opinion, um, too many features mm-hmm. on the Watch app. I think keeping it, and this is my personal opinion, keeping it just to like messaging, keeping it just to being able to play music if you don't have your iPhone, mm-hmm. being able to do uh, transactions, financial transactions, and just being able to get alerts in my opinion, is pretty much all you need to do on a watch. You know, so all of these features, they keep adding stuff. Eventually, um, I can't find the right word for it, but eventually you're going to have, you're going to be able to do too much on your watch. And then Apple's going to have to support that. They're going to have to end up making the screen bigger and bigger. And I got to, you know, so again. And it's going to defeat the purpose of having, of having you know, a, this right, audio watch. Right. Yep. Yeah. The only thing I think I'm probably um, more from a, uh, a support side is now that the app privacy report that we've talked about before, now it's going to be able to record the data and the sensor. So that way you can oh, have yeah, you're right, you're right. That's a good one around too. any of your biometrics. That's pretty much probably the biggest thing. The other stuff, you know, feature, I mean, photos, I mean, the screen is small. You can't really see the photo so much. Um, and my thing is there's still no like camera on the watch. So that to me would probably be the biggest sort of like improvement other than you know a bigger screen but now they have the ones that have the the latest apple watch has kind of like the almost edge edge to edge edge screen screen. and it's thinner so it's not too much more you can you can really do right right but even still you can't enjoy pictures on your watch you can see them you can't enjoy them you can see them (laughs) yeah yeah so so yeah, all right. Now on to the big boy, the iOS and iPadOS 15.2 release. So there are changes to a lot, and there are a lot of of bug fixes as well. Um, I don't know. I don't use CarPlay, but there are some updates to CarPlay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and they're kind of like you said, man. If you don't really have CarPlay, what can you really do? Um, the the big thing I think they talked about before was the uh, Apple Music Voice Plan, which is like the $4.99 deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned it is similar to the to the same thing on, on your Apple Watch. Um, I'm not, other than, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not super overwhelmed by anything, even though it, it it's a lot that they are kind of bringing to the forefront. It's nothing really that I guess overwhelms me. The only thing I think we talked about it before was um, 
if you don't have, say, if something happens to you and you pass away, someone having access to your your iPhone mm-hmm. and, and the data, because again, pretty much everything is is on your iPhone. Passwords, if you use like a password manager, or if you use Keychain, um, you can put you know uh, important information um, on your iPhone. Um, so having that access, what was it? Legacy something? Right. Digital legacy. Digital legacy. And I remember that before because I know a couple, I don't know, maybe a few months ago, I, I text my brother, my, um, my, my pin to my phone. He was like, what's going on? What's wrong? I was like, nothing. I was like, I was thinking about it. And I was like, let me go ahead and send this before, you know, I forget just so that you will have it in the, in your text messages. Um, so for me, that's one of the things, you know, especially, like I said, I live alone, but my dog, who's kind of, can probably hear him moving around, but those type of things, especially in the age of COVID and, you know, just anything can happen. Those are the type of things to me that stick out more because those are real life, um, real life things, real life right. stuff. Right. Uh, some of the things that jumped out of me, in addition to the digital legacy thing, I thought that was important. Uh, communication safety settings. So this is a something that people have kind of are on the fence about uh, for or against. Uh, Apple has this new feature that gives the parents the ability to enable warnings for children when they send or receive photos that contain nudity. But the parents won't get those notifications. So. For instance, I use myself as an example, my 13 year old, she has a phone so I can set this safety setting to turn on to where if uh, heaven forbid, let's just hope this is not the case, but heaven forbid, if she's talking to somebody and there is some uh, nudity involved, whether she's sending pictures or she's receiving pictures, Apple will recognize that and will give her a message on her device saying, hey, are you sure you want to be doing this? You know. You might want to low key not do this, right? right? But a thing, a lot of thing, the thing that the parents are upset about is, well, you know, my teenager, even though she's a teenager, you know, she's that she owns this. The she's the owner of this phone, as far as Apple is concerned. I'm her parent, right? So I she's want still these, a minor, right? I want these notifications as well. And Apple's like, they don't know if they want to get into you know, privacy versus parenting. So mm-hmm. I saw some, you know, um, dust up on the internet about that. So, you know, I think Apple's stance is, you know, well, we'll make sure somebody's notified, but as far as, you know, Apple's big on privacy. So it's like, okay, the Apple ID, this device is assigned to, we're going to assume that person wants this special privacy. So for now, Apple's kind of like, yeah, we ain't going to, we ain't gonna jump into that water, so we'll see about that. Um, the yeah, only I can other see thing, both sides of that too. That's right, a very right. interesting concept. I can too. I can even as a parent, I can see both sides. You know, I've had conversations with my daughter. I've talked to her about the right and wrong things and safe things to say, and you know what you can't, what you, what our expectations are of her. And so far, so good. You know, so I am not concerned about my kids as much, but there are some parents out there who, you know, may have some kids that may be trying some stuff on the low and they may want to have that extra layer of protection, which is fully within their right because these are minors, you know. Um, only other thing And maybe not thought, having these type of conversations with their children. And they're and, not having these conversations with their children, right, right. 
Uh, the only other thing that jumps out at me of all the things for iOS 15.2 is hide my email uh, right now in order to hide my email. Say, for, for example, say, for instance, I want to sign up for this newsletter so I can get this free shipping. Right. Um, but I know that as soon as I make this purchase, I'm going to try to unsubscribe. Unsubscribing from an email newsletter is hit or miss nowadays. So what you can do is you can create a temporary email address via via uh, Apple's hide my email feature. Right now, in order to do that, I have to go into my settings. I got to go into the hide my email. I have to create the temporary email address, and then I have to copy and paste that email address into this newsletter that I want to you know sign up for. Well, this fifteen dot two, they're making it available within the mail app. So immediately when i'm trying to sign up for this newsletter i can from that point on i can actually click the hide my email button and then do it on the fly without having to leave go to the separate thing sign up and then come back to complete it so that was the only other thing that uh jumped out at me as far as 15.2 cool all right and again we will include the release notes um, in our show notes. So if you are interested, you can go and see the other myriad of, of changes that are coming. But I think what this does is it bodes well for us probably seeing iOS 15.2 um, and the other versions of that, of the other OSs, probably first quarter of, of next year. Um, so I think it's, it's pretty, it's pretty pending for them to have this release candidate. So barring any, you know, probably huge security flaws or security issues, this may be the, the version that we see, um, in the next, you know, couple months. All right. Um, the next thing we are coming up on that time of year where rumors really start flying around uh, products. And so apparently based on, um, on uh, Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, um, there are uh, a slate of uh, products that are to be expected for 2022. Um, we saw a huge year this year of different products, um, and it seems that if 2022 is going to be an even bigger year. So he runs down some of the products that he is expecting to see for next year. They include a new iPad Pro, um, including wireless charging, um, some updates to the iPad Air and the entry-level iPad. None of this is really too shocking because I think it's we're due for an iPad Pro uh, refresh. I'm still rocking the first-generation iPad Pro, and I would definitely uh, like to upgrade that. So depending, especially if they bring in the wireless charging, that would be super dope. Um, it's expected that there is going to be a revamp of the uh iMac with Apple Silicon um, in um, to be above the the 24 inch. So are they coming out with a 27 inch? I think that was a version that they had uh, in the previous iMacs. Um, so there is a potential for that potential for a new iPhone SE with 5G. Um, new AirPod Pros, which isn't too unexpected. I thought we were going to see those this year. Um, MacBook Air revamp, adding an M2 chip and a new design. I'm 
not too sure I agree with this because we just got the new MacBook Airs. Um, so a new design would seem a bit much, but these, I guess, are his uh, guesses. I'm not sure if he has some inside information or not, but we well, all know you, how that Before you, how before that you finish, most of this is crap. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> <laughs> New versions of the Mac Mini. Um, I, I'm surprised at that, too, because we just got the new Mac Mini with the M1 uh, Pro chip. Um, new versions of the entry-level MacBook Pro, that's highly unlikely because we just got the new MacBook Pros and it's saying a revamped MacBook Pro with Apple Silicon, a Mac Pro with Apple Silicon, uh, a new iPhone uh, 14 lineup, which Duh. isn't too shocking because right. we get a new lineup every year and three fresh new Apple watches, including the Apple Watch SE with the updated standard model and a rugged rise, not sure what that means, version aimed at extreme sport athletes. Even well, you know, the thick one with the, it may, it may be thick with some extra bumpers built in, you mm -hmm. know, because a lot of people, um, they buy, they go to Amazon and buy like the little um, covers go over it. So they yeah. may come out with that line, or, or according to him, they'll come out with a ruggedized version uh, of the Apple Watch. Which again, crap. Yeah. <laughs> Apple ain't doing that. They'll come out with fresh new Apple Watches. They'll probably have the the more squared one that they didn't release this past yeah. year. Uh, but they'll all be the same. They'll look the same. They'll have new colors. They'll have new bands. Yeah, nothing um, really on this list is shocking other than the fact to me that they're talking about the revamping of some products that we literally just got this year. Well, so this, I think what he means by the entry-level MacBook Pro, he just means like a 13-inch. Because right now, what just came out was the 14-inch and the 16-inch. But mm -hmm. there is a M1 13-inch MacBook Pro right. that he's claiming that they're going to revamp that, which, again, is hard to believe because that the M1 13-inch MacBook Pro just came out last year. Because yeah. we were talking about that this time last year as we're, we were going to wait for these bigger Macs to come out. So, you know, uh, you know. If anything changes, it'll probably be more square to be more aligned with the 14 and 16. But, yeah, even, but they'll do that. I don't think they're going to do that next year. Yeah, it's, it's they, they, right. they just released them. And right. they just released the 14 and the 16. So it it, it doesn't, to me, it, it doesn't seem likely. that. Like right. I said, the iPad Pro redesign, not shocking. That's expected. iPad, the new AirPods Pro, not shocking. Um, new Apple Watches, not shocking. New iPhone 14s, not shocking. And I guess the last entry that he has on here, which I think could happen, could not happen. I think, again, throwing things to stick to the wall is the... Um, the augmented and um, virtual reality headsets, which is possible, but it ain't yeah. that ain't that ain't nothing. It's not shocking. Yeah, it's not new. You know, this is basically just him uh, coordinating <laughs> all of the rumors that people have been talking about for the past six months or so. So, yeah. you know, this ain't you know this ain't him dropping no bombshells or nothing. And with him putting it out this way, when it does happen, undoubtedly some of these things will happen. He can say, see, I predicted this. I told you so. When, right. you know, most Apple snobs already know a lot of this stuff is 
par for the course for what we can expect for a new year. So I did want to bring this back up because I know we have talked about the uh, product rumor mill, how folks uh, really just kind of think they get a little information or a little inside scoop and this makes them the well it person. It, it works because we're talking about it. Yeah. You know, if it didn't work, well, I'm, I'm big on, I am big on if something doesn't make sense or I don't like it or I disagree, I don't even talk about it, you know? Yeah. So, but, you know, there, especially nowadays with digital media, you know, everybody is competing for the same clicks. Everybody's competing for the same digital airspace. So, you know, rumors, specifically Apple rumors, gets people talking. Big so business. This, get those clicks to the website. Right. And gets the clicks to the website again. Again, like I mentioned, I'm being a little bit hypocritical because we're talking about things that I don't like, which is <laughs> rumors. <laughs> so mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. That is it for the lowdown. Let's head on over to Second String, where we talk all other tech. Kicking us off this week, AWS on Tuesday, it went went down for approximately seven hours. Um, their uh, Amazon's dashboard tool was kind of keeping track, letting folks know they were able to narrow it down and localize the issue to U.S. East one region. And with this going down, it affected major platforms, including Facebook, Disney Plus, of course, Amazon, and uh, some Alexa services as well. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I don't think this is the first time, probably won't be the last time, but the reason I did want to bring it up, one, of course, it brought disruption and people are, you know, talking about it on Twitter, but I think the larger issue is so many applications rely on AWS mm -hmm. and going down for seven hours, that's a lifetime in the day of a digital platform that causes significant disruption to um, financial transactions, engagement, to for people who pretty much make their living on on these applications. So my question is, what type of backup should we have to this? Should well, there be another uh, server platform? Or, well, there because, are, right? Uh, IBM has a cloud. Microsoft has a cloud. Um, a couple other, I'm, th I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of competitors who, who would be competitors to AWS. Uh, two I can think of is Microsoft and IBM. You know, the fact that everybody has pretty much just crowned Amazon Web Services as the king. So everybody's using their services. This should be a rude awakening that maybe we need to look at some of these other cloud platforms, well, of course, not Amazon. Amazon's not going to use Microsoft. So right. if AWS goes down, that kills all the Alexa, that kills all the Amazon.com, you know, but some of these other ones, you know, Facebook, Disney, like you mentioned in the notes, you know, they may, maybe may consider uh, going or having, like you mentioned, having a backup or maybe shifting altogether, because I agree. Uh, AWS is probably the most popular, you know, having all your eggs in one basket for its situations like this uh, can and will happen again. Now, luckily, uh, a lot of streaming services, a lot of unimportant 
uh, services was affected, but just this time, right? Next time it could be some major banking, some major financial, you know, some major thing. Healthcare. Healthcare, right? Everything's going digitized, you know, so everybody being on AWS could pose a problem. And this is pretty much, you know, we've talked about cyber warfare. All we're doing is showing, you know, uh, would-be attackers where to hit us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to answer your question is, yes, you know, companies, major companies that are solely in the cloud, you know, um, it, it may behoove you to seriously consider you know, some of these other platforms out there. Yeah. Because again, um, as you mentioned, bad actors, what this outage shows them is if you take out just one region of AWS, you can cause significant disruption right. to, uh, to, you know, people's daily activities. So um, I'm not sure what Amazon is doing to shore up these type of things, but I mean, as in some instances, it's, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, the question is, how quickly can you recover? Um, you know, today it was seven hours. Maybe next time it'll be five hours. And maybe next time they'll be able to get it resolved in two hours. I think at this point, you know that servers can go down. The question is, how quick is your remediation? And are you a going to be able to get people back up and running in you know a short amount of time? Because other than that, I'm not sure what else you can do if you're solely a cloud-based platform. So uh, I think it may, you know, light a fire under Amazon to to do some more showing up, and also for uh, Microsoft and IBM saying, "See, if you were on our platform, we don't have as much traffic. You may not have these type of of issues. They could very well use this as a way to get their foot in the door." for some of these, maybe not even the larger platforms, maybe getting some of the smaller platforms to kind of come over. Um, that might be, you know, their, their best, um, course of action, but, um, definitely something has to, has to be done, or at least at the minimum, they need to have a way to get systems back up running fairly quickly. Yep. All right. Uh, the other, the, the last thing in second string, I saw this night, you know, I was like, hmm, this is very interesting and people may not be aware. This is specifically for Verizon customers. Um, so apparently they Verizon has this select program, which is, I'm assuming, their tiers for their support for their mobile devices. Um, and they've gotten rid of the select program. And in the select program, um, there are some privacy settings that allows uh, Verizon to collect your location, your web browsing and mobile application data usage, and send that to marketing messages and uh, other offers under this particular program. So what Verizon has done is they've sunset this select program and they've replaced it with Verizon's Customer Experience Plus and Customer Experience Programs. But when they replace the previous uh, program with the new one, they automatically re-enrolled you in all of these privacy uh, collection settings. So if you opted out of them in the select program, um, 
Verizon customers were starting to see emails flowing in, telling them about, you know, you are enrolled in this Verizon customer experience plus and whatever, whatever program. And the email does have to, you know, I guess they have to do this. It does state that your data is now being collected. Even if you opted out as, after the previous program, this custom experience collects browsing and app usage uh, history. And the plus version of this also collects location information and data about the numbers that users call and who calls them. So Verizon is saying they don't sell the user information, but it does share them with service providers that work with them. So in any event, your information is still going out to somebody you did not want them to have. So in order to, you know, remediate, you know, these people having access to your information, you have to opt out again. So you opted out in the original program. That program was eliminated and um, a new program was created and you were automatically opted in. So now you have to opt out for a second time to ensure that your information is not being shared. Um, now, some customers were not very happy with this because they thought that they were um, their privacy settings on their devices were fine because the settings are on their phone, not necessarily with the program. And they figured, I would assume that that should carry over to whatever tiered program you have. The settings on my device should supersede that, but that is not the case. So you have to manually go into your settings and change some things around. Uh, what is it? Uh, you can go to your account privacy purposes page or my Verizon in your mobile app, go to manage settings or manage privacy settings and toggle off both programs. And that way you will be opted out. I think it's kind of slick for them to kind of circumvent people's privacy settings um, with these new programs to get this information again. And again, we know how emails work. You get emails, you get so many kind of scroll through, yeah, 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 that's just about my bill and you keep going. But this has some significant um, ramifications as it relates to your personal private data. Right. Uh, two things. Um, this The first thing is there should be more proof positive that your data uh, is valuable and you should be careful as to who you give it to. You should be careful about who shares it because everybody wants it and everybody wants to profit off of it. So they will try some slick stuff like re-enroll you into something under the guise that is, oh no, this is a brand new program. This is totally unlike what the exact same thing that the other program did. So, you know, they'll try it and they'll try to get away with it, you know, until they get outed. And then, you know, they'll say something like, which is the second thing, Verizon said it doesn't sell user information, sell, but it shares them with service providers that work with them. I wonder what service provider, I wonder what it means when they say service providers work with them. Mm -hmm. That means service providers, <laughs> service providers pay Verizon to have access to this data. Even though Verizon said it doesn't sell them the information directly, it shares it with providers that work with them. Now I could, I could be getting the jargon messed up, but it sounds like to me, that's just another way of saying we sell the data. We don't sell it directly. We, yeah. we share it with server providers that work with us. That already pay us. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So again, it's very slick. It's a little bit shady. So if you are a Verizon customer and you do have those privacy settings, if you had those privacy settings turned off in your previous program uh, and you still want to maintain that, you need to go in and make sure you definitely toggle those services off so that you can ensure that your data is safe uh, from third-party users who you do not authorize to have that access. All right, that is it for Second String, unless you had something else you wanted to cover this week? Nope. All right, let's head on over to For the Culture. So I I had a little you know trouble trying to figure out what to talk about this week, but this kind of resonated with me because it's something that you know, I've talked about before, um, how certain people are held to higher standards than others. Um, as you know, we elected the first uh, Black female president, Black and South Asian. I don't want to, you know, cut out any part of our heritage um, as a vice president of the United States. And if you've been even mildly, mildly paying attention to the news or any type of reporting, uh, Vice President Harris has, to me, seemed to be attacked significantly more than any of the previous um, vice presidents. Of course, they all have criticisms and they all kind of go after them, but they haven't really been able to nail down any one particular thing on her as they have with some of her predecessors. Some people are calling this latest attack on her um, the equivalent to President Obama's tan suit because mm-hmm. they can't really find anything else that will will stick. So some of the attacks she has had lately, um, they were they were outraged about her buying a, a French pot. Um, they were like, people are, are struggling and she spent, was it $300, $500 on a pot? She still is a wealthy lady, so she can afford a pot. Um, talking about staff turnover, even though both the former vice president and the former president had huge turnovers. Um, the former president had like a different chief of staff every year. Um, also, there have been hit articles about her being too prepared, too demanding. Um, then there also have been hit articles saying that she's underprepared. She doesn't read the briefing books. Um, they've also you know, said that there's beef between the President Biden and his staff and her staff, they even came up with this whole, you know, kind of battle between her and uh, Secretary of Transportation, uh, Pete Buttigieg. All of this basically is they're trying to find a way to make her not seem valuable as being able to take over the role of president. They're, they seem to cherry pick Pete uh, Buttigieg as a potential presidential candidate, which I don't see it, but that's neither here nor there. So the latest article that they have come out with um, from Politico, it had three writers on this one article. And the article claims that the vice president is Bluetooth phobic and a bit paranoid about Bluetooth because she prefers to have the wired earbuds Rather than, as you can see in my ear, if you're watching, I have on 
AirPod Pros. So they're saying now that she's paranoid, she's afraid of Bluetooth, she's afraid of Apple Bluetooth products because she prefers to use the traditional wired earbuds. Now, even if that's the case, that's her right. If she doesn't want to use Bluetooth devices, who the frick cares? It's it's a preference on what you choose to use, but they're making it out to be she's like almost anti-technology. Like it's making a mountain out of molehill, making something that is completely innocuous into something again, trying to make this her tan suit as the equivalent to, you know, they couldn't find anything on Obama. You know, they said that she was, she grew up, I think she went to high school in uh, Canada, a French high school. So she speaks French. When she went to France, they were saying that she was overemphasizing certain words and trying to pretend to speak French. It's like, no, she actually does speak it. So all these little type of small things, but to bring it back, she isn't wrong for choosing to you know, not use Bluetooth devices because Bluetooth devices can be problematic. In the article that I'm referencing on The Verge, security researchers have pointed out a couple of things. Bluetooth has a number of well-known documented vulnerabilities that can be exploited by bad actors if they wanted to hack. Again, she is second in command in the United States, which essentially makes her second in command in the world. Um, Some of the less severe uh, Bluetooth attacks you know, they can just overwhelm it and crash the device through um, DDoS, denial of service. Um, And the other thing is the CVE program, which is a program that pretty much tracks all the different vulnerabilities across different types of technology frameworks and devices, have tracked about 400, almost 460 current and historic vulnerabilities within Bluetooth. So I say all this to say they're trying to make this a negative on her, but she actually is ahead of the curve in trying to deter ways that people can attack her. Because as I mentioned, all the ways that they are trying to attack her now with these inane and insane type of, of, I don't know, hits, I guess is, is the word. Well, uh, she's second in command, like you mentioned. So some of these attacks, these vulnerabilities probably will not apply to her because she's second in command in the United States. So they have probably taken extra special precautions so she won't be um, uh, vulnerable to these type of attacks. So to answer the question, they're right. She is uh, being a phobic. But who cares? Who cares? Who, who cares? We've all got my, for example, you know, my uh, stepfather-in-law, you know, when we put up cameras in our house, not everywhere, just in like the main areas where people can entry, you know, he freaked out and said, well, I ain't coming over y'all house. Y'all got cameras. I'm going to be watching. It's like, yeah, but they're watching you. So who cares? Right. So, you know, even if, you know, she is being a old person, you know, old timer, you know, I don't know about that Bluetooth, the young kids, you know, she probably is, but even still, who cares? It's it that that's, that's the, that's the, 
the 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 bombshell. So this is exactly this about her buying expensive cookware. Who cares? Even if she even if she was buying expensive cookware somehow on the president or the vice president's dime compared to what the previous administration did. This is cookware, cookware. That's, that's, that's y'all smoking gun cookware. Right. So all of these things about her being, you know, uh, um, underprepared or overprepared. It's like, they're going, they're going to find something to talk about regardless so because she's too competent they have to try and find some that. way it, it's just that's it goes with the territory of being vice president of the united states they got on joe biden they got on mike pence they got on dick cheney they got on you know uh george bush before he became president you know they get on this is what they do now you're right compared to some of the things that some of the other vice presidents have done like Dick Cheney shot somebody in the face. <laughs> That's something that Whoopsie. you talk about. <laughs> you know, somebody being scared of Bluetooth is not, but again, this is what it is. So I would expect uh, this doesn't, uh, I don't see this as them attacking um, Madam Vice President because she's a woman. Or because she's, you know, uh, black or she's a minority. It's just, this is what they do. You can tell because they have to dig up something. And the best they can come up with is she likes expensive cookware, but doesn't like Bluetooth. I mean, <laughs> that's what they have to do. Same thing with the president. The best thing they come up with with uh, President Barack Obama was the fact that he wore a tan suit. So what? On Easter, I think it was. They were going to even, do- even if that is kind of tacky. Who cares? You could make you can make the argument that the tan suit was kind of whack. You could. But that's it. That's his his choice of suit on a particular day. That's on that's Easter. The and if you know anything about black people on Easter, you jazz it up. <laughs> I mean for Easter. <laughs> right. So, you know, um that's that's the best y'all got. You know, she she'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just one of the things, you know, that I when I first saw people talking about it, they were saying that it took three people to write this article. And I will include the link in the show notes. The article is quite short. And I'm like, it took three people to come up with this. It's <laughs> like, there are a lot of other things that are literally going on. This, in this and, country, and maybe, this is what you choose to focus on. Well, maybe low key. Um, this was them being uh, political. I don't read a political like that, so I don't know which way they lean. Um, but maybe they've been, they've been putting a lot of hit pieces out on her as a oh, reason. Okay. That's well, why I think maybe it's- I, I, what I was going with was maybe this is them being uh, satirical, kind of like mm-hmm. the Onion. This is their mm-hmm. satin- their Onion piece. This sounds like something that you know would go in the Onion. Uh, but say, all right, well, we, we can't find anything on her, so let's kind of be goofy about it and put all this work into coming up with the fact that she's Bluetooth phobic. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wish it was that type of thing, but uh, they've been kind of at her oh, for okay. a bit. Really, I'll take yeah. your word for it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I thought it was, it was quite interesting that they were trying to take something that was actually a positive and try and flip it to a negative when what you're actually doing is bringing to light that, 
you know, you as a regular person should probably be aware of the vulnerabilities that come along with Bluetooth because people will connect to a random Bluetooth speaker. They'll go to a hotel and connect to a random, you know, Bluetooth TV to, you know, share. And it's one of those things where we don't have the type of security on our devices that the vice president of the United States has. So, you know, while you're trying to kind of throw her under the bus or make her seem not technically savvy, what you're really doing is bringing to light the fact that people should probably be a little bit more conscientious of what they choose to connect their phones to via Bluetooth or even unsecured Wi-Fi networks. Mm. All right. So that is it in for the culture. Let's head on over to the hookup. And it looks like you got something different for us this week. Well, um, not really different. It's something you should be doing every year around this time. As you know, business slows down. You may find yourself with a little bit more time. You know, if you're shopping online, you know, um, you've done a lot this year. So to keep your computer running tip top shape, it's probably a good idea that you start to archive, not back up. Backing up means I connect my computer to an external hard drive or I connect it to the cloud and I take a copy of my computer and move it someplace else. That's not what I'm talking about. What I suggest you do towards the end of the year or whenever or at the top of the year, whenever you find some downtime is to actually just archive some old files that are sitting on your computer and just take those files and put those on a separate external drive. Like for instance, I'm pretty sure if I look on anybody's computer, I'm pretty sure they've got some Word document from 2014 that they don't want to delete, but uh, really don't need anymore. So a happy medium is to pretty much sort all of the files on your computer, sort them by year and anything younger or not younger, anything older than like 2018, just don't even try to organize it. Just sort it by year. Anything that has a 2017 date on it, move it, not copy, move it to an external hard drive. That'll free up space on your computer. And it gives you a place to where if you are looking for a file and it's not on your computer, the first place or the next place you go is to connect to that uh, external hard drive and that archive drive. So that's just my um, my tip. You know, um, take some time. Now, it may take a while to copy all that stuff, depending on how old the stuff is. You know, I <laughs> have clients to where I've looked in their computer and they've got stuff from 2009. 2012. That was a decade. That's literally a decade ago. You're not looking at that. Right. You don't need it. And if you do need it, you don't have to worry about deleting it. Just move it off of your computer so you can give your computer some breathing room. <laughs> cool. Definitely as the end of the year uh, kind of comes up, that is a good maintenance tip to keep your current machine running in tip-top condition, as well as securing some old um, files that you may not necessarily need at to be ready at your fingertips. 
All right. With that being said, that is our show for this week. We definitely want to thank you for listening and showing support to our show. You can support our show by downloading, rating, and reviewing us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also hit us up on social media. We're at Cast everywhere, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Definitely head on over to YouTube to watch our YouTube channel at Cast. Make sure you like and subscribe to our channel so you can get the latest updates when we post new videos. Also, you can leave us any feedback and suggestions in a couple of places. You can do that either on our website, snobwestcast.com. You can shoot us over an email at snobwestcast at gmail.com. Or you can join our chat community on Discord. And the link for that is on our website as well. Another way you can financially support our show is by becoming a Patreon supporter by going over to patreon.com slash snobblewestcast. We have two tiers of Patreon supporters, a $3 a month tier, which gives you access to our live show early, as well as access to exclusive content. Our $5 a month tier gives you access to the exclusive content, access to our live show taping, as well as access to our audio feed for exclusive content early. You also get uh, access to a very special Discord um, channel within our chat community. Also, you can give us a one-time or two-time, three-time, or however time you want uh, off love offering over at PayPal by heading over to paypal.me slash And that is our show for this week. We will see you next week. Have a good one. Peace. Bye, everybody. Thank you.